Hello and welcome to episode 217 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now today's episode is the fourth and final part in my four-part 2000 Trees podcast specials. This has been one of my highlights since I've started podcasting, bringing you interviews with 12 different bands. It all started on the first part when I had Can't Swim, Foxjaw and Stick to Your Guns. So much fun, so much energy and three of the best bands out there right now. I followed this up with Super Love, Orchards and Holding Absence. My most recent episode was Nervous, Jen and the Degenerates and the amazing Boston Manor. And today I'm bringing you three brand new interviews. I'll be kicking things off with the amazing Vakovi, a return to Mark and me for the incredible Rolo Tomasi. And then to top it all off, I have the absolute legends that are anti-flag joining me. These are three totally different interviews from three totally different bands. And I really do believe because of this range, there's a bit of something for everyone. And I just want to say now, a massive thank you for everyone that's tuned into these specials. It's been insane. The numbers are higher than ever. I've seen so many new people jump on board on the social media channels, and I couldn't ask for a bigger response, so thank you so much. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get to the interviews. And to start things off, I'm joined by Hamish from the outstanding Vakovi. Thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. No problem. <laughs> what I want to do today for anyone that's tuning in for the first time to discover your band is take it right back to the very start. So Oof. tell me, when you were a kid, what was that first CD maybe you bought with your pocket money and you were like, fuck me, I want to be in a band? Uh, I, I know the exact answer to that. It is Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I remember buying it out of like a second hand, not a second hand, but like a cheap bin in WH Smith's. Yeah, yeah. They used to have those massive, like, steel things with loads of cheap CDs. So that, that... Is it like the bargain bin? Like, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's, like, one of, that's, like, you know, for me, it was one of the best albums of all time when I was a teenager. That and probably Rage's first album, Rage Against Machines' first oh, album. Oh, nice. Um, self-titled, isn't it? Self-titled, yeah. yeah. Th- those, were, those, were the, those were the ones that made me air guitar. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Standing in front of the mirror thinking you're Tom Morello. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. And Wes Borland as well. He was, oh, he was God, a... he's still got it, man. He, yeah, like, yeah. I'm go, I've, got, I've got tickets to see Limp Biscuit, and people are like, why? It's not the 90s. I'm like, honestly? <laughs> it's not the 90s? What? They're still fucking... He is fucking incredible. His riffs, you still remember now, 20 years later, yeah. and they sound like they recorded yesterday. I, I couldn't agree more. The riffs are still modern as hell. Like, yeah. Complete. Can I swear, by the way? You can swear. <laughs> I think I've said fuck twice already, yes, so it's yes. absolutely fine. I love that. And uh, yeah, so... Yeah. That's a good start. Californication, John Fashante as a guitarist, I just fucking adore him. Yeah. The stuff he did on that album and Blood Sugar Such Magic, Dude. I just think... Oh wow! Yeah. Um, like, I, they've I'm never in. they've never got anywhere near that quality since. I think it's and that's yeah. not a dig. It's just no, they I just produce their they just produce their finest moment. I think even the new album, I was a bit like I was so excited because John returned, obviously. Yeah, and it was just a bit like ah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll learn to Sorry. grow it and maybe I'll learn to love it. But I just I the felt energy's it, not there. I felt like it was an album of B sides. Yeah, didn't, nothing stood out as a big single. It's like. 
Think of songs like um, Around the World. Right. Oh, the I'm like, man. God, it's the got energy. you straight away. I know. And this album, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Like, uh, what? The thing is, though, so that you know, obviously, you know how they're on that stadium tour right now? Yeah. I so badly wish I'd gone to that because it looks like how I would have felt being there as a teenager, like just watching the crowd. I know. They're playing Can't Stop and, you know, all around the world, etc. Incredible. And uh, I seen them when I was about. They're one of my first concerts. I seen them when I was about ten in Glasgow. You've just literally taken my next question, so I want to know your oh, first concert. I you. <laughs> but I don't reckon your first concert was Chili's. That's too cool as your first one. My first ever gig was Stiff Little Fingers. If you know them, I do know that very uh, punky. I seen them in like a like a big massive town hall uh, in Ayrshire where I stay. Not a clue who they were. My aunt took me, and I was like, "This is so cool!" And then. Uh, then I seen Chili Peppers after that, and that blew my mind. And I wanted to be John Frusciante for about ten years. So, <laughs> the impact he had on the Chili—I mean, we're not going to make this Red Hot Chili Peppers cast. No, but, no, no. Why but, not? Why not? You but know what I mean? the, the the impact he had on when he left and Dave Navarro came on. Do you know yeah. what? That album's great. It reminds me of Beavis and Butthead years. It reminds <laughs> me of just yeah. what they can do. But yeah. it was like you don't realize how good he was. And the last guitarist, Josh, yeah. who's now touring with Pearl Jam and stuff, yeah. an, amazing, an amazing oh, guitarist. Cool. And yeah. The Getaway's got some great songs on it. Yeah. But the moment they said John's back, I'm like, oh. He's just, he's the OG, isn't he? He's like, well, he's not. Obviously, that guy's before him, but he is. Yeah. Like, he's the one that's done all the most memorable riffs, for sure. He is. And um, he looks like it's effortless. Like, yes. Sometimes it's just really simple. Think of Scar Tissue, the solo. It's like, ding, ding, single notes. But there's like but three souls in that but song. It's, but it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I and agree. Uh, I agree. It's, I agree. It's, it's unbelievable. Look, we love the Chili Peppers. We yeah, we them. absolutely love we them. Fucking love them, man. It's incredible. So they inspired everything, I suppose. Live music, buying a CD. Yeah, they they really started it, man. And I remember buying an episode of um, a magazine, Total Guitar Magazine. Yeah. And John Frusciante was on the back advertising Dead Dario Strings. What did I buy? I bought Dead Dario Strings. Of course you did. And I basically my first guitar was the like Stratocaster that Red he's got as well. Red Stratocaster. Oh, the Sunburst. The Sunburst Stratocaster. Yeah. yeah. So like it's mad like. All I'm going to say is advertising works, by the way. It does. If you <laughs> like, want to get your album sold, stick it on the back of Turtle Guitar. 100%, man. It, it does work. It inspired me, for sure. So, uh, yeah. So, d- yeah. did you do that whole thing of being in bands at college and school, like Battle of the Bands and all that sort of just, stuff? Just one. That's it. Just the one band, man. And, you know, we did it for a couple of years when we were, like, 17, 18. Did a couple of gigs in Glasgow. And then I kind of, like, gave up and was like, I'm going to go to uni. Yeah. I'm going to do the uni thing. Keep the parents happy. Get a degree. Yeah, yeah, because they're always like, you know, what are you doing? What are you yeah, doing? I'm you gonna know, be in a band. Fucking get a real job. Well, the thing is, my dad is a DJ. Oh, so he was. They, they've actually been really supportive, but I also am aware there's not a lot of money in, in music. So I was like, I study. I went and studied animation for three nice, years, dude. That's and awesome. During that, we started the bonjour. We started the new. Um, we started the new band during uni. Yeah. And then I would, you know, I was like, you know what? Fuck uni. Yeah. <laughs> and my last year, my master's, my uh, honors degree year, I dropped out and. I've just done the COVID ever since, literally. So, so that's not a bad thing because your dad can't really say get a proper job if he was a DJ. No, no, he's no. Zero. But were they fuming that you like done two thirds of something then you no. went I'm going? No, do you know what? My, do you know what, man? My parents have been great. Yeah. So so good about what I do, like, which is a miracle because I know a lot of people that have had very different stories in that, obviously. So. Oh, definitely. And it's um, it might be like sometimes you think it's their worst ever fear. Like I'm going to be a film star. I'm going to be in a <laughs> yeah. band. Yeah. Well. Prove us wrong, but yeah. you know Good here luck. you are now sat at two thousand trees. Sure. And yeah. how does it feel? Does it feel real? Because I felt like as a a fan of music, never mind being in a band, 
I didn't think this festival was going to happen. After the last cancellation, then another cancellation, I thought, am I actually ever going to be able to see just a band play again? Because this COVID thing seems to be sticking around. Trees was one of the festivals I was worried about with COVID because I think, like everyone here, everyone loves Trees. Yeah. Um, the vibe in the music community is it's basically one of the best festivals in the UK. So this is one I was worried about because it is a smaller festival. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think they were struggling a bit over COVID for sure. Um, but to see it sell out and the vibe, it's like this is the best thing that could have happened. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't even be cool and pretend that I've been coming here for ten years. So uh, I've <laughs> yeah, done yeah. I've done Reading and Leeds. I've seen some incredible bands at Download. But this is the first time I've been to Two Thousand Trees, right? Oh, really? And yeah, the okay. moment I walked in, I said this earlier. I felt like a big hug from everyone in the field. Nobody made me feel like I wasn't welcome. I 100%. can walk around, everyone's smiling, and it doesn't matter about like pretentiousness of like what bands are you here to see. It's not. It's just about I don't give a shit who I'm seeing. Okay, I'll go and see Frost, but if I walk past there and someone catches my ear, I'm going to go in. Hundred percent. That's the vibe at Trees, though. Yeah, that's the vibe. There's no divide, zero divide. Um, no, look, this is the best festival, and I'm so glad it's still here, and I'm so glad we're playing this year. I really hope we're playing next year. <laughs> Do you well, get so. this kind of way of thinking that when you play a festival like this? You know you're going to get the fans that come along because they love you, but is it a chance to build a new fan base and kind of win that kind of, let's just hope that as we're playing, someone walks past, maybe I'm playing a guitar riff, maybe I'm singing, maybe something catches them and brings them in, and then before you know it, they've gone home on Sunday, they bought a t-shirt, they bought a vinyl, and you know. A hundred percent. Like, download Pilot... We played that, which was, you know... I was there. It was was just like, like that, that was just eye-opening. Like, yeah. Because that's, that's probably probably one of the biggest shows I've ever played. And after that show, the amount of like fans we got, the amount of tickets we sold for our sale after that, I, I, tickets we sold for our tour after that was just like so noticeable. It was yeah. crazy, man. So yeah, for sure. Festivals are the best way to get fans. N- new people on board, for sure. Like I could let I could show you stats to prove that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do, it's do like you, do you <laughs> do you still get nervous? Do you still oh yeah get oh that god kind yeah. of fear in your stomach of like today's the day. I'm looking at the poster. I'm seeing bands like Thrice who've been in yep. the business 20 years. I'm yep. seeing Turnstile that everyone is raving about. But we somehow need to justify our it's reason for being on this scary. poster. Yeah. Oh my, it's shit scary. I woke up. Me and Janine, our singer, both woke up today. Yeah. Like feeling sick. Do you know what I mean? Like and like we've been playing shows for years, man. And we've done some big shows, but you still it doesn't matter, man doesn't matter you still wake up and you're like that pit the butterflies in your stomach and i couldn't really eat breakfast and but i'll tell you the solution to that Al- alcohol yeah <laughs> just start drinking booze yeah so we stopped at tesco and bought a lot of vodka on the way here that's and good I, i've not and start- you can bring it in willy-nilly exactly that's yeah. the thing about trees man how good is that they're not trying to rip you off no you can't bring it in yeah no, come on in get pissed download pilot was the same yeah um which is a game changer because most big festivals they're like absolutely not no we want Tenor you to buy six pounds uh, carling yeah it's warm so no a i shit myself and b i festivals are the best way to get new people on board your band 100 percent I like the fact you're still nervous, and I think the moment that you don't get nervous is maybe the day you don't do it anymore. 100%. Because then you're just resting on your miles, and I think it wouldn't be very cool. If if you've not got that, oh, here we go, we're going to fucking have to really prove ourselves. I don't know. I think the the fire's gone out for me. You have to be nervous to, to care. Yeah, I think, and and we really care, man. Like we really want this to be a great show. Like I have no idea what to expect. No. The last three times we did trees were amazing, but. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not just going to go, ah, oh, it's fine, that will happen again. Might not. Do you know no. what I mean? We need to go and put you know, a lot of energy into it. So, but drop me in. I'm ready. Let's do, do it. Do you kind of set yourself targets? So, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you look at yourself on the lineup on the poster and you think, next year I want to go on to that stage. Or I wanna, yeah, like. Uh, yeah, of course. If you're not doing that, then I think you need to be thinking like that. You need, otherwise, you're going to sit like this. Yeah. And, and 
that your love will die eventually if you do that. I think you do need to see. I mean, you need to see progressing to keep yeah. the passion up. Of course. Because once you've been doing it for five, six, seven years, you need to see progression. Do you know what I mean? You just have to, oh, mate. Like, it's good it's to a drug. <laughs> do you know no, what I mean? it it's is, like, and you uh, wanna you wanna be the best at what you do. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. And we, we've got a lot of work to do, man, and that's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, keep us working. We just want to go tour, man. And that's why COVID's been a bit brutal, because we've obviously um, played one tour last year, did the Creeper tour this year, and did two festivals last year. But that's it. That's not a lot, it's is not it? A lot what of you want to get up and do and you live and breathe it. want to be away six months a year, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so hopefully as of the end of the year next year, that'll be the case. But now nah, we want to work, man. We want to earn our place. You know what I mean? For sure. So... Do you uh, look at the poster and kind of see other bands on this bill and think to yourself, like, I hope we can get a chance to see them over the weekend? Do you get to enjoy the festival or is it work, get up, set up, You get go to home see or? fuck all. <laughs> I, I know, it's yeah. frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, I, like, I've I seen a bit of Rome because that's their last uh, festival set they're ever going to do. Caught a bit of that because my girlfriend wanted to go and I just want to see a bit of turnstile yeah. and then I'll be happy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's cool. Because we're not staying, man. We're, we're boosting back up to Scotland after yeah. this. So, it's not uh, a short little No, it's not. Either. Exactly, man. Exactly. Because folk are like, oh, are you staying for a beer and it's like we've come from Glasgow yeah <laughs> Do you know what I mean? it's a bit so, of a try yeah 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 I'm getting stared at a lot <laughs> Look, I'll, fast, I'll end with my final question for yes. you what so, I do yeah. on this podcast to kind of keep it as original as I can yeah anyone that comes on gets to choose the outro piece of music so after oh. we've done this interview it's all edited it's wrapped up and it's out there for the world to listen to Ooh. you get to choose that very final piece of music oh, of it bitch. can be by any band People in bands struggle at this the most. Like they're I'm like, for struggling. fuck's sake, I got okay. it down to a hundred in my head. But what's <sighs> right. the one that comes to your heart and soul? Don't pick your own band. That's no, right. Uh, right uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, what's something that when I asked the question, maybe it came into your head straight away? Do you know what the answer to that is? Actually, Willow's new single. Have you heard Willow's new single? Will Smith's daughter. I haven't heard it. Her no. new, new single is so good. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, which is embarrassing. I'm gonna have to I, Google it. I think it's called uh, it might be Faulty or something like that. Something like that. Just check her new single. Yeah. That. that song is like nostalgic to me. It feels like uh, even though it's just come out. Yeah, it feels like if Bombay Bicycle Club were heavier, and Bombay okay, that, Club were one of my favourite bands. Yeah, all time, so yeah. you just brought me straight onto board. Yeah. So go that's amazing man thank yeah. you for your time dude i really appreciate it. it's a no pleasure problem. to speak to you man and uh, you. i can't wait for next year to see that poster you hire up and keep going and keep going if you talk to me and i'm not nervous next year slap me I will do. <laughs> i'll come over like you fucking lied <laughs> you for an hour an interview yeah, cheers yeah. man no problem thanks so much So there's my first interview with the amazing Hamish from the absolutely awesome band Vakovi. You need to go and check them out. Again, one of the bands that had the biggest hype all weekend and I've seen so much feedback online about how much their set blew everyone away and they're just going to get bigger and better. Next up is a returning guest for Mark and me. I'm joined by James from Rolo Tomasi but he's also brought Chris from the band with him. And I'm so glad because they're such great guys. The passion is incredible. Their tent was absolutely stacked at 2000 Trees. And for me, they're a future headliner. They're just absolutely incredible live and totally captivating. And for me, there is no other band that sound like Rolo Tomasi. They are doing something so unique and so incredible. So here's my interview with me, James and Chris from the incredible... Rolo Tomasi.
I'm here with Rolo Tomasi at 2000 Trees. So first of all, guys, does it feel real after two years of this festival being cancelled? We're actually sat here in the flesh, the sun's out. For me, I have to pinch myself a few times this weekend thinking it's actually happening. It feels remarkably familiar, like no time has passed. And I think for us, we've been really fortunate. We've been on tour for a couple of weeks already. This is the last day of a tour. So it does just feel like something that should be happening. Um, that being said, don't want to take it for granted. It's a pleasure to be back. And, and yeah, we're really, really chuffed that it, it can happen again. And tell me about basically, because this is the first time you've been on the podcast. I know James has been on before. What I like to know is basically how your music grew from when you were a kid. So can you remember that first album that maybe you bought that, maybe with your pocket money that you were like, fucking hell, like, I just want to be in a band. Like, this is all I want to do. I think, like, music was not really a big... My mum has pretty appalling music taste. Um, and I think, basically, through proxy of friends at school, I ended up liking bands like Green Day and Korn and Linkin Park. And We've then, all been there. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then, and then essentially, like, I got given a guitar, a really rubbish guitar, and then I just kind of, yeah, just delved, like, even further and further into guitar music, like, based around, like, heavy bands like that, and it's just kind of grown since then and never really looked back, to be honest. Um, but, yeah. And I think live music is the next step. You know, when you go to your first gig and you see how it's performed, you're not just relying on the CD. Both of you, like, what was that first gig that you remember going to where you're... <laughs> kind of like your rib <laughs> well we've just literally seen the guitarist of the band yeah. though it was so like uh for me and james like 100 reasons are like one of the bands that we absolutely idolized we like growing larry up. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like i'm still i still get starstruck and feel a yeah, bit yeah. tingly when i see him yeah and like i was kind of like do i get a photo like do i go over and get a photo with him of course you do kind of thinking that like yeah it's just it's just quite funny like it, honestly that band did change my life mm. Um, ideas above the station or ideas, ideas above, above our the station, station. Yeah, yeah. genuinely is one of my top 10 albums along with like Hun uh, Hell is for Heroes Neon Handshake yeah. those, those albums that came along Biffy Clyro uh, Black and Sky yeah. there was just this British scene of bands like Million Dead and they came along and Ruben massively Ruben and 100 Reasons Man like I remember seeing him on Top of the Plots playing Silver I remember watching that Richard Blackwood presented it <laughs> he's there yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. and I'm like that band should just still be going playing that album in its entirety because there's a reason, like you both just said, you've seen them live and it blew your mind. Yeah, I like, and it's still to this day the band that I think I've watched the most. Same. Like, despite I'm, them not being this, together for how many years Discounting now. Discounting bands that we've toured with, which I don't, and they're not part of that conversation. Yeah, that's fair. Like in terms of bands that I've paid to see the most, they are 100% the band that I've seen play the most. So go and get a photo, man. I might do. He's still, he's still Walk stood. off from the interview. He's go like, do he's it. He's not quite in earshot, but I can see it. Right. Um, we'll maybe, all get maybe for the best. Shot. I'll pretend yeah. it's for the podcast so it doesn't yeah. seem too nerdy. Like, can we just get a photo? But when you look at this festival, for me, it's my first time here. I have to admit, it's the first time I've been here. But it feels like the biggest hug as soon as you walk in. Everyone's on the same page. There's bands that have come from the smallest stage that work their way up to the main stage. It's got history for you guys, hasn't it? It must feel incredible coming back and being surrounded by these amazing bands, seeing yourself on the poster with Frice and Jimmy Eat World. Does it seem like a dream come true? Yeah, it's like, I think every time we've come here, we've had a pretty amazing show. Like, it's always been like one of the favorite, our favorite like festivals yeah. to play. So like coming back, you know, it's, it's always brings back good memories and stuff. 
Um, and yeah, there's definitely like a very nice like community feel to this festival. Like I kind of joked about it, but yeah, as soon as you as soon as we get here and like open the van door, we like see people that we know that we've not seen for years or since the last time we played this festival. And I think like it's not like that at every festival. And I think like even even some of the festivals we've done in the last two weeks, like there is a completely different feel to it and stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess that's yeah credit to the organizers and, and the people who run it because it kind of filters through to to everyone really Massively. yeah i think it takes a lot of hard work to kind of organically grow something like that the, yeah the, the kind of feel that we get in these areas backstage and stuff does kind of seep out into the audience and i'm sure there's people here that are meeting friends here and they've seen wow look at all those ants jesus oh my Flying god ant day Sorry, I know that doesn't really translate very well to a podcast, but we'll try that is... We'll get a photo and put it on Instagram. It's honestly it's quite, uh, quite That's a, a swarm. Lot. I did see someone post on Twitter earlier saying it is flying ant day today. Ah, uh, they've Not proven need, it. But yeah. They've gone now, it's all right. 2,000 Panic's ants. over. But, um, but yeah, no, I think that, you know, the James and everyone that involved in this festival have worked really, really hard in, in creating that kind of feeling that we're talking about, and it's just absolute credit to them that um, they've managed to to build it and to sustain it and that it survived a pandemic and has come back stronger than ever clearly like yeah and you guys said this is the end of your UK tour do you still get really nervous uh, for a festival like this do you see those bands that have been around 20 years and think or do you just look at it as a chance to just go on and just have fun truthfully I think like uh, there's more pressure on at UK shows and UK festivals I think for me personally like we've just done like Ross Kilder and on this tour so we did like a European tour with yeah. like a dotted bunch of festivals across it and like Ross Kilder is like a massive festival like bucket list festival for us in a way but I'm kind of more wasn't stressed about not it. as stressed as I am about playing today and it's probably just because it's like you know it's like a UK festival with lots of peers and people you respect and people who like around and stuff so I don't know I think I think that's it entirely I think it's you know the idea, yeah, there, there, there are people here that we know, um, and I've just seen Larry from Hundred Reasons. I mean, if he comes and watches, what's he going to think? Like that's. <laughs> I'm going to go and tell him to make sure that he sees. I'm your not going to stop thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it is just that, like you know, the, the kind of European festivals that we were able to go and play this summer. We are more of a relatively unknown quantity, and we can kind of go out without any sort of pressure if if we kind of want to. But here, it's got a reputation to uphold i think at this point and you know we have we're really sort of strong you're part of the family i think well we set ourselves sort of really high standards i think that's the that's the thing and you know we want to make sure that we live up to the standards that we have for our shows and um and then we can kind of put on a a show that's going to stand out for people that are at the festival and i suppose when you just mentioned these european shows where there's not so much pressure but then do you look at it as a real good chance for people to leave that never knew about your band just to should we go and check this band out? Let's fucking blow them away so they leave and go, I want a Rolo Tomasi t-shirt, I want a vinyl, I'm going to listen to everything they've ever done on fucking Spotify. Is it your chance to win that crowd over? Yeah, I think so, like, in a way. Like, I guess, you know, Russ Kilda is a good example. We played at, like, 1.15 in the afternoon, uh, and I'm sure lots of people there probably haven't heard our band before. So, I don't know. It's not obviously, like, we, like... If people come away and go like, I like that band, that's cool, like, and we get more people from it, great, but, you know, we, we, we just love doing it anyway, like, yeah. do you know what I mean, we'd probably do it if it was like, 
10 people watching us or 10,000, it doesn't really matter. Like we love playing in this band, we love writing the music we do, we love the opportunities and stuff that it gives us and places in the world that we get to go to that we never normally would. Um, and if uh, along the way we can get some more people to kind of, yeah, like our band and, get, and buy into us as a concept, then, then great. And now you're back off this tour. What's rest? Kind of what's the rest of this year looking like? Is there more festivals? Is there more touring? Or are you just going to have a bit of a fucking breather? So this is this is the last show of the tour that we're on currently, um, and that'll be it for the summer. Um, we have one final tour this year. We're going to the states to do a few weeks on the east coast in September, um, which is great, and that's you know something that we can kind of. We can go back from this, have a little bit of a breather and kind of like regroup and then just get our teeth stuck into what we want to do for that and the kind of show we want to put on and the songs we want to play and have a real good think about it and just make sure that we are as prepared as we can be because that's you know obviously quite a big trip to undertake and uh, it does take a lot of time in terms of all the exciting logistical things that go into touring that bands don't necessarily talk about and that people don't necessarily want to hear bands talk about but um, yeah we we need to go back and uh, just work on making that happen, really. So that'll be it for this year. Um, There's a London date. I keep seeing posters around the festival. That's good. I'm glad you've noticed it. Yep. That's what I was going to say next. February next year, we're going to be playing our biggest ever headline show at the Electric Ballroom in London. Um, it's going to be our UK headline Beautiful. exclusive for 2023. So, uh, yeah, after we get back from the US, uh, the focus is going to switch to that and and preparing for the tour that that's a part of and, and for that show specifically. Like uh, Only UK show next year? Only UK headline show. Ah, There's nice. an important distinction to make Nice, there. lovely. If you look at the poster again next time you see it, you'll see it says that. So if you don't go basically to see you in London at the ballroom, you're not going to get the chance to see you exactly. at a headline show. At a headline show. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. My final question for you, and I think James, I asked you this when you came on Mark and Me before. What I like to do is ask whoever's on the podcast to choose the outro piece of music. So once the interview's done, you get to choose the outro song. So it can be a song that you love by any band. Maybe 100 Reasons, as we've just been absolutely gushing over them, to be fair. Um, What's a song that you adore from a band that you adore that you would love to be the outro piece of music for today's interview? Should we do do Avalanche by 100 Reasons? All signs are pointing to yes for that one. Yeah, there you go. There we go. That's absolutely awesome. Thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope people go and check you out. I hope people go and see you in London next year. And it's just been a pleasure to be reunited face to face. So thank you. Nice one. Thanks Thanks so much, much, Mark. Thank you. So there's my interview with me, James and Chris from Rolo Tomasi. And since this interview took place, I have been sat there quite often thinking to myself, I wonder if they ever got that photo with Larry from 100 Reasons. But it was so good to chat to them. Like I said, one of the best live bands on the planet. And I truly mean that. They are so good and just getting better and better. And I just can't believe how big they're going to get. It's incredible and they deserve it all. One of the hardest working bands out there. And I have so much respect for them. Right, now it's time for the final interview in this podcast special celebrating 2000 Trees, and this is a big one. I'm absolutely thrilled that I'm joined by Justin from one of the best bands on the planet, Anti-Flag. They are just absolute legends. There is no other word to describe someone that has had such an impact on the music scene and music in general. These are just unbelievable live 
unbelievable on record and one of the best bands out there and I can't believe that I'm lucky enough to sit down and talk to Justin and this interview is amazing and this interview is one of my highlights of the whole of the weekend at 2000 Trees so I can't wait to share it with you so I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it here's me and Justin talking all things music Justin, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. You got it, Mark. What I want to do today is take it right back to the early days. Tell me about that first record that you remember buying, maybe with your pocket money. Oh, I know exactly what it was. I love it. I it was, love it. it was, confidence. It was the Beatles. Meet the Beatles. Oh, my God. I bought it at National Record Mart. And I, I bought it because I thought the record cover looked cool. I thought the Beatles looked cool. And uh, my older brother, the Beatles, was his favorite band. I was probably eight, eight years old, maybe nine. And I, I had been saving up because I wanted to buy a record. And, and I, I, so I'd saved for a long time. And uh, my sister and I went to the mall and I just was like, this looks cool. And I bought it and I was so pleasantly surprised. Like roll over Beethoven, like the whole thing i mean it was just like and and i think i knew at that point i was like i want to play this kind of music i, I want to play music from that record what i don't get is when i ask this question to most people it builds up to like oh they get like a green day record or an early you know offspring or something to yeah. start with the beatles those foundations that you get then to build on yeah. i feel like you've started so high i don't know how you kind of top it because that's just the pioneers of songwriting that's our proudest export you know it's, right, it's the beatles right. yeah you know. yeah no it really like uh, uh, it, for me too when i look back on it and i realize that that was the first record i bought and what a profound impact it had for me um i think it's sort of just talk about like lightning in a bottle just what a stroke of luck and, and talk to me about gigs because obviously we're at a festival right now yeah the first gig I think sets the tone for you. So mine was Green Day on their Dookie tour, and I remember cool. going to see them, and I was like, "How are three people making that much noise?" I love the fact there's only one guitar. Billy <laughs> Joe's playing it. I'm like, "This is awesome!" But yeah, my ribs started to shake. I remember the hairs on my neck sticking up, and wow. I was like, "These songs I'm so used to on my little speakers at home, but now I get to see it." Yeah. What was that first show that you went to that was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my fucking life." The, the f there's there's two the first one I'm not gonna say was I want to do this for the rest of my life but what it was I was 11 and my brother took me to see Weird Al Yankovic oh my lord that must be an experience it, in itself it was so amazing and I I was young enough to think that his band was very cool you know I'd never seen like a real rock and roll band do it and um, I was just captivated by the fact that they were up there playing these instruments and what was coming out sounded like the record to me. Yeah. And the whole audience was just jamming. Like everybody there was totally excited. Um, it, was, it was the Eat It tour. So, um, and so that was the first like live experience. And I just remember the excitement of it, you know? The, the first like real punk show I went to, I was about 
12 and a half, maybe 13. And my sister had taken me. It was a very DIY underground punk show in Pittsburgh. It was a place called The Foundry. And like Pittsburgh, you know, is like a rust belt, mid-Atlantic, mid-Western city in America. And, you know, we call it the rust belt because so much of the industry left. And then there were all like all these old factories and things. And they were just rusting away and wasting away. So there would be just like shows in weird industrial places and... Um, you know, people would do it until they got shut down by the cops and then move and go somewhere else. So my sister was uh, probably eight years older than me. So she was like really entrenched in that scene. And, um, she had played probably like a year earlier. She was really getting me into like the clash and the sex pistols. The first record she played for me, like of true punk rock that, that had an impact on me was black flags damaged. And because I remember she took me up, my parents had a three-story house, and she took me to the third floor where, where her bedroom was. And she said, I just want you to hear this. So like, just listen to this for two minutes. And at this time, I was listening to, like, Michael Jackson, Huey Lewis in the News, Van Halen, like, the shit that was popular when I was a kid, you know? So she's like, I just want you to hear this. I was like, okay, cool. And spray paint the walls came on, and I instantly, we both, she looked at me, and we both just started to laugh, because it's just an absurd, so I was like, what is happening? Absolutely insane. Yeah, insane. So I was like, okay, I'm in, like, all I listened to was, like, that record, and probably, never mind the bollocks by Sex Pistols, for, like, two months. And um, she was like, do you want to go to a show with me? I was like, yeah, let's go. So she took me to this band, they were called Knife Dance. Knife dance. Yeah, and their their emblem was like you know a person holding a knife like you know like it that was clearly about to come down. It it was like uh, very much um, Norman Bates like psycho kind of looking. Wow. Yeah, and um, the band was fast and scary, and the singer sort of was like a big version of Glenn Danzig, and very commanding. There was only about thirty people there probably, and that was like it was, the whole thing was scary because there was nothing about it that was normal there was nothing about it that was routine for me i mean we went to this very like rough part of town like uh, almost abandoned didn't really feel like we should be there we probably shouldn't have been and then just for this punk rock band to just go off i mean that was like really really impactful and and really um probably like when I knew like I wanted to have a band that same sister ended up buying me like my first guitar and my first drum set they both came from punk bands that she knew around town and that just kind of sent me down the path you know the way you talk about it it sounds so fresh like it was yesterday and that shows to me just how much of an impact that's had on you yeah yeah for sure it's insane for sure and that sister especially her name is Lucy and she actually kind of played in the first amalgamation of Anti-Flag because um, she wanted to have a band too. I think that was part of why she was kind of trying to steer me in the direction of a band. She's like, you know, he's old enough. Maybe he'll want to do this. And I did, you know. Um, and uh, But she was had such a big impact on just why I'm here today. She was like such a wonderful sister and like always kind of trying to introduce me into like, you know, the arts and, and, um, and music. Yeah. Amazing. And how does it feel to be back? Because after two years of this festival being oh, cancelled, yeah. like... I truly believed there was a moment where I thought, are we ever going to get a gig mm-hmm. again? I, I'd had yeah. tickets to all these amazing shows, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and everything was getting cancelled. Yeah. And I thought to myself, 
Are we ever going to be in a field with the sun out as a family watching bands? And we are. We're finally here. It must yeah. feel like being let out of prison. You know, it, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, you summed it up. I mean, I, I was like, yeah, I, how are we ever going to be able to do that again? I really did. Like, I would sit at home and think about that. Um, and I, you know, everybody kind of had their way of how they had to exist during the pandemic. And like, I was like looking after my elderly dad and like really paranoid that he was going to get COVID and die and just, you know, living so vigilantly to look after him. And it was so isolating and uh, just wondering, like, does this ever end? You know, can I keep him safe? Like, um, so the fact that yeah we did get through it he's still okay and like here i am so glad to hear that my dad's 85 and he had covid but he got through it and i was like every day like please don't fucking let this be the reason we say goodbye like you know absolutely yeah and there's heartbreaking stories like that you know and like yeah so to know that we've come out on the other side of that and you know and honestly like in my case like pretty unscathed like on from that side so i'm i'm doubly like grateful because i i know people that really just had awful losses and so um yeah so of course it's really profound it's amazing to be back and and just the reminder to people that hey you're not alone you know and that there's a way like we find a way to make things better I think as, as human beings and especially like as this music community we find a way to make things better which I think is really important right now because like in the United States we see that you know abortion being outlawed people's health care being taken away we see um, just the issues with with racism that were highlighted kind of during the Donald Trump period the issues with immigration Obviously, we're dealing with like climate crisis here in the UK. You know, you have like political crisis with immigration and Boris Johnson and Brexit and all these things. And it's easy just to feel like, oh, fuck, we're doomed. You know, and I, you come here and you realize like, oh, shit, we're not alone. There's other people who care about these things. There's people who care about more than just themselves. So I think, you know, there's a glimmer of like, oh, we can make it. So that's that's really special. Do you for know me when you see. when you list all that stuff that's going on in the world, it's not ignorance. But today I haven't thought about it once. And yeah, it feels so well, refreshing. Nice. It because, is an escape, which is great. You know, We're yes, lo- and, and we should have that. Yeah, we should because be you allowed. Need time out. You yeah. need to be able to breathe and say absolutely. Let's just have a fucking drink. Let's yeah. just stand in a field and not worry about every yeah. issue that's going on in the world because we can't change it in that moment and we're yeah. here today and I'm going to enjoy Jimmy Eat World yeah. I'm going to enjoy these bands because yeah. I've earned that right today just to have a time yeah. out you know it, you know what man it's 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 the truth and um, even like in activism you know one of the things that I've learned and especially talking to people who I consider like true true activists they will tell you like hey you can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You have to take time out and you do have to have the show or you do have to do whatever it is that you love and recharge and go out. And it, without that, you will just burn out and then you won't be any good to anybody. And, and considering what we've all gone through, everybody deserves this. I hope everybody has a moment like this that we're having sitting here talking to someone yep. like who you, yes, you enjoy so true. And, and someone refreshing and 
I save for these moments. It's exciting to like, wow, great. It is. It's a celebration, and this feels like the right size. Everyone seems to be like a family. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful, and it just feels so good to be here. You can feel the energy of excitement, and that's beautiful. Yeah. My, my final question today is what I do on the podcast to make it as original as I can is I ask every guest that comes on the podcast to choose the last piece of music that's played. So it can be any band, any song, but what's a song that means so much to you by anyone or any piece of music that you want to end today's interview on? And I know I'm putting you on the spot. Musicians find this harder than anyone else when I ask this question. Yeah, there's so many songs. There's a million in your head <laughs> and we need to get it down to one. But what is that song that you adore that we can just say, do you know what, the interview's done and now this plays and it's your moment. Oh, uh, this is my moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's, you know, since we're in a feel good mood, let's go with a little um, Call Me Maybe. Oh, nice! Yeah, I love call it. Call me, maybe. That's I can hear Carly it already, Ray, and Carly I'm like, Ray do you know what? Yeah, it's perfect. Hit it. It's energy. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to speak to you, and this has just been, just, just bliss. It's, it's beautiful, man. Right back at you. Thank Thanks you, dude. Million. You got it. There's no escaping the American attraction. So there it is. That brings us to the end of the 2000 Trees four-part podcast special. 12 interviews with 12 different bands and I can safely say to end on Justin from the incredible Anti-Flag was the highlight for me. What a great guy, so in-depth, so thoughtful and just an incredible human being. And I really hope he returns to Mark and me because I can imagine talking to him for easily a couple more hours on music. He's fascinating. I just want to say now a massive thank you to each and every person that's took the time to listen to these interviews. It was a huge amount of work, so ambitious thinking I could go there and try and capture all these different interviews, but I did it. And I'm so glad that I've been able to release them right after the festival so all those people that have gone, had an amazing weekend, can kind of rejoice and celebrate and remember these amazing times through hopefully this podcast. So thank you again to every single person. I also want to give a massive shout out to the amazing people I met during the weekend. I got to meet Dave from the band In Me, who I spent the day with, and he's just absolutely lovely. I can't wait to welcome him on Mark and Me in the near future. Sean Smith from the amazing Raiders, who were one of the best live bands I saw all weekend. He's hilarious, he's become one of my good friends backstage, and we just hang out and have an amazing time. The stories that guy has are incredible, and he'll also be coming on Mark and Me in the near future. I also want to give a huge shout out to all the record labels, the band managers, the agents, the PRs and all the people that help this podcast. People go out their way to help me and it means the absolute world and I am forever in debt to you and I never take any of you for granted. And also a massive thanks to the amazing Good As Gold group. Hayley, Holly, Matt and Harris, you guys have helped this podcast more than anybody. It's so incredible to see how much your hard work pays off each and every time. And this festival is a perfect example about how a team can work so well and produce just something that is genuinely magical. This festival for me is now my favourite festival I've ever been to. I'm so excited to see what happens next year and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be recording more interviews and who knows what could happen. It could go on to bigger and better things. And I want to give a massive shout out to my good friend Kinza 
who joined me for the whole weekend taking incredible photos and capturing these magic moments which I think really help when listening to the interview. To see these images, to see these bands having a great time means so much, so a massive thank you to you. Right, my final thing I want to say is if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it. Go onto your Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. All the links are on markandme.com. It costs you absolutely nothing to do and can make a massive difference to Mark and me. I also do have a Patreon page, so if you've enjoyed these 12 interviews and you want to buy me the equivalent of a coffee, jump on there. The link's on markandme.com and for each and every month, I guarantee you at least two episodes every week. Not only that, you'll have some exclusive episodes that are Patreon only and so much more. Some welcome packs, some prizes and honestly, I do all I can to reward you to say thank you. I don't pay myself for this podcast. All the money goes right back in and allows me to do things like this. Travel to festivals, to gigs, to events and get interviews, which basically means episodes for you guys at home. And finally, this event for me was incredible. Some of the highlights for me were seeing Turnstile for the first time. I've been obsessed with that band since I left. Thrice, my favourite band of all time, and I'm sure you gathered that by now, blew me away. Their headline set was incredible. I don't believe Dustin has ever sounded better. And hey, Jimmy Eat World, one of my all-time favourite bands. Their set was just unreal. Hit after hit. The crowd were incredible. And for me, the festival overall was just an absolute hit. I absolutely loved every minute since the moment I got there. And for me, it's given me some memories that I want to share forever. Right, I think I've covered absolutely everything. But just before I go, maybe... Just maybe I recorded a couple more interviews during my time at 2000 Trees. So all I'm going to say right now is keep an eye on my social media channels. Keep an eye on my podcast feed because you never know what might happen. So until then, look after yourself. Thanks again for listening. Be safe and I'll speak to you all very soon.
look right at your baby, but here's my number. 